0: Episode 877. The Green Bay Packers were more competitive than almost anyone expected in a last second loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Breaking the game down is our guest J.R. Radcliffe of Lake Country Publications. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're breaking down a Green Bay Packers loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday Night Football. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, Okay. We're joined by J.R. Radcliffe of Lake Country Publications. J.R., how are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good, sir. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thank you for joining us on the show. We're glad to be talking to you. Uh, J.R., I originally reached out to you knowing that you've covered the Watt brothers uh, and the Packers took on T.J. Watt on Sunday night, so I thought the timing was appropriate. Can you start off just by telling us about your coverage of the Watt family Uh, and also the relationship between Lake country publications and the Milwaukee journal Sentinel, because if I'm being honest, I'm a little unsure myself. (laughs) There are times I'm a little unsure myself,
1: (laughs) if I'm being completely honest, but, um, yeah, we, so we're in the downtown building now we're in the Milwaukee journal Sentinel building. I'm looking out over, over downtown right now, as we speak here from the lunchroom, um, we, you can kind of think of what we do as just the community branch of the journal Sentinel coverage zone. And, and for a long time, we weren't in this building we were in Waukesha uh, covering basically all the suburban communities around Milwaukee. Uh, we've done that. I've I've been here since, uh, since 2004. So I've been covering high school sports for a long time from a sports perspective. That's our, that's our emphasis when we're covering these communities is, is the high school sports angle. Uh, occasionally we'll do some stuff, college or pro related, but almost always as it relates to the kids that were from our high school coverage maps. So, so that's what, that's what we do. Um, you know, it's now called now news group, but, uh, for a long time, my sort of emphasis was out in Lake country and covering Pewaukee high school was part of that. Saw all three Watt brothers play in high school. We've done obviously a ton of coverage, of of them and sort of their ascension into into the college ranks and into the pros. So, uh, it it has been very fun to uh, to follow some athletes that have have gone on to do pretty crazy cool things in the NFL. Um, uh,
0: so talking about TJ Watt here, uh, the Packers, of course, had the chance to draft him uh, before trading down in the first round. Um, In hindsight, Jr., did they make a mistake, or I guess we could put it another way, did they make the correct choice? How would you put it? I mean, obviously, from a selfish point of view, I wanted to see T.J. Watt in in the hometown colors
1: because I had followed him for so long, and he definitely seemed to fit what the Packers were looking for. I mean, I think the the obvious answer here is you just don't have enough data to say one way or or the other yet. And and if you look at it as sort of a straight-up trade where the Packers get Kevin King and Vince Beagle for TJ Watt, I think there's a really good chance that works out in their favor. You know, we don't know a whole lot about Beagle because he's still sort of working his way into the, into the lineup and and coming off an injury. And I mean, Kevin King has obviously been injured too, and we've seen some really great things from him. And and I love hearing him say after a game like last night, that he does want, he does expect to become a number one cornerback. And that's, I mean, I think we can all agree. That's really where the biggest weakness on this team lies. So if, if, even if we're talking short term, they probably addressed it right, even if even if they could use another linebacker like Watt. And I think long term, there's just no way. There's just there's just honestly no way to know. I mean, I think one thing that if 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 T.J. Watt had been here doing the exact same production that he has been doing in Pittsburgh, yeah, you know, I think the funny thing is he'd probably be seen as after having such a great debut game as maybe being a little bit disappointing since then. He's obviously his, his their first game was against the Browns. He had two sacks an interception, seven tackles. He hasn't been able to match that production, and I don't think anybody would expect him to, you know, from the outside looking in. But I think from here, he missed a game with injury. He hasn't, maybe he hasn't popped off the page as he did that first game. Maybe, maybe people here are still thinking, oh, maybe he's not going to be the next JJ Watt. So I honestly think if, um, you know, I honestly don't know if we have enough data to know for sure if he were here that we would be seeing a guy who's clearly the better choice. I think it's still just so long. I mean, we might go two, three years before we know for sure what this, whether or not this was a good move.
0: You mentioned him already, but uh, what do you make of the player they ended up taking with their top draft pick, Kevin King, and especially the injury he's fighting through? We saw that last night.
1: I think, I I mean, I've liked him. I I don't, like, with the injury, it's hard to know exactly how much that impacts him on the field. I think for a rookie out there, and, and, I mean, you know, like last night, he's going to get a little exposed going against Antonio Brown, just like a six-year veteran is going to get exposed against Antonio Brown, and... I think that he has shown some signs of being a rookie and he's shown some signs that maybe down the line he could be a pretty pretty important contributor. You know, with these injuries, I came into the year thinking Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins were gonna be awesome this year because the injuries had held them down and they just hadn't had a chance to show what they could do and you know, it hasn't really worked out that way with obviously Rollins getting hurt again and and Randall just not really you know, Randall showing flashes here and there, I guess taking a step forward, but you know, it could be that Kevin King is this is as good as he is, but I would I would personally wager that he's going to be a pretty great player in that in that secondary, and and I'm perfectly comfortable with the Packers having really basically chosen him over T.J. Watt.
0: Uh, again it's somebody you mentioned briefly about but I'd like to expand on it here the Packers would eventually draft an outside linebacker uh, in the fifth round or fourth round pardon me Vince Beagle do you think he'll eventually play a big role on this Packers defense we've we've seen him here with a a small role since he got activated off the pup list I I do
1: I think he'll be as guys like that, I guess you, you sort of see Jake Ryan, Blake Martinez. I mean, those guys can contribute a lot in individual games over the course of a year. They're not going to, maybe not going to be all pro type players, but they're going to be key contributors. I mean, I think there's, there's certainly a case to be made that Beagle could be that type of guy, that guy who's just a steady linebacking presence who makes a lot of tackles. And, and, uh, and you know, right now he can contribute on special teams as well. I don't know if, I, I mean, I certainly, if I were coming out of college, would of course expect T.J. Watt to have the better career than Vince Beagle. But it's not like Vince Beagle was, you know, was top liver. He had a really nice career at Wisconsin and probably would have gotten drafted a lot higher if he'd come out a year earlier. And so there's there's a lot of talent there. And depending on how the injuries play out, I'd love to see, you know, I'd love to see what he can do at full strength over the course of a season.
0: We're talking to J.R. Radcliffe of Light Country Publications here at RailBird Central on a Monday morning. Uh, J.R., uh, let, let's talk about last night's game. Uh, we talked a lot <laughs> about T.J. Watt so far. Did, did you ever anticipate the Packers would make this as competitive as they did, losing the game as the clock expired after being shut out the previous week? You know, if I'm being honest with you,
1: it didn't really surprise me. I mean, there's no data to suggest that they would be able to hang with a team that has only two losses with, with the situation they're in. So I guess, like, from a sort of cerebral point of view, yeah, no, of course you didn't expect it. But, I, like, have, we've just seen this in the NFL time and time again. It usually seems to work in reverse where you play a team that you'd expect to crush and it ends up being a real struggle. But I just I – just, I don't I don't have any expectations going into an NFL week and and I, what I think I know is usually wrong. I really thought the Packers would respond after last week's debacle against Baltimore. I really thought that they would have a focused game plan. They did. I really thought Brett hunley would play better. I didn't think there was any way he couldn't, play. you know, he wasn't going to play worse than how he did last week. There was no way. So um, you know, and he did. They they obviously got some they got some turnovers. I mean, if we can be honest, they got some really lucky breaks. In my opinion, you know, anytime you score two touchdowns from over 50 yards, another one from close to 40, I mean, those are, those are big plays, but you kind of also look at, well, did the defense break down? Like how is it that you were able to big plays don't happen in the NFL very often. And then you have three turnovers that I would, I would consider to be a surprise, you know, and sometimes those kind of fall into your lap as well. They needed a lot of things to go right and they did go right. So I'm not, uh, it, it didn't surprise me because I've seen this before in the NFL I honestly didn't think coming into last night that they were still in the playoff race. I certainly don't think that now. I wouldn't have thought that if they had won. But it did not shock me to see them actually show up and play a really solid game against Pittsburgh.
0: All right. So they had the big plays. They had three turnovers. So who's to blame for this loss? Was it the defense? (laughs) Was it coaching decisions? What was it?
1: Well, I really wish Antonio Brown weren't so dang good. (laughs) Because we at least get overtime. I, I, like a lot of people, it's hard for me to really gauge how much coaching, you know, coaching versus talent plays a role. I mean, I thought it was a little weird that they set up for a 57 yard field goal, especially in the wake of not, you know, not really trying to make anything happen at the end of the first half, seemingly, you know, satisfied with going in, you know, to the locker room with where they were, which I guess at the time made sense. And then, the, you know, I don't know. There are always a couple of coaching things, I think, that, that catch my eye, but. I, I You know, it's really hard. I think the defense played well. That's the second week in a row. I mean, I know that they got shut out against Baltimore, but I really thought the defense did its job. It's not an all, all-world defense. It's not going to shock you. But if it gets a couple turnovers like it did, even if it holds Pittsburgh under 500 yards, as, as crazy a number as that is, if you're capable of doing that, you have a chance to win the football game, and they did. So, to me, it, it does kind of come down still to, I mean, the offense just isn't that good with Brett Hundley. Like, he had a great game last night relative to where he's been but it's just not it's just not an offense that can that can move down the field quickly it can't respond quickly to things most of the time we saw big plays last night but in general I don't think he has the pocket awareness to sustain drives regularly like he did what we saw late in the game last night I just I mean the offense just isn't good enough it's not good enough to beat teams at this level even as close as they got last night it never really felt to me like that was that the Packers were definitely going to pull that game off
0: uh, let's elaborate on Brett Hundley here. There was a lot of criticism on him coming into last night's game. Did he save his starting job with a pretty good performance?
1: I mean I'll say I'll say no for a couple of reasons. One is I didn't think the starting job was ever in jeopardy. I don't think Joe Callahan has if I had to guess, has been seriously considered as as the starter for the Packers. I, I think they're they're pretty much ride or die with Brett Hundley. And at, at this point, what do you got to lose? They're They're probably not going to the playoffs. I mean, it's going to take a miracle. So you might as well stick with this guy and see if you can, you know, bring him along and give him the reps he needs to become a viable backup or a viable trade piece or, you know, maybe a viable starter down the road. Um, So I don't think his job was ever in jeopardy. I also don't think that what we saw last night is – you know markedly is 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 a different tier from what we've seen previously in in that he still lacked some pocket awareness the things that have plagued him still plagued him he still had drives where he threw like he just he didn't see guys he threw short awful passes and and those things are killer you know like with the with I mean, it's understandable that this is unfair but with Rogers a quarterback there's so few drives that go wasted and that's why the Packers are always going to be in a game. And with Brett Hundley, I don't know if that's clearly going to ever be the case. It may be someday, but I don't think, that, I don't think what we saw last night was different enough for me to feel like, oh, they've got a different quarterback situation than they did, you know, two, three weeks ago.
0: Fair enough. Uh, what did you make of the performance by rookie running back Jamal Williams making plays in both the rushing and passing game? definitely improved player and that's nice (laughs) nice to see you'd expect that with the reps that he's been getting um obviously when you can run the football
1: like that you're going to open up things this is why they were able to move down the field with those short passes and why they were able to to hit some long ones because they've got they've got a running threat so that's that's obviously a a big thing i'm not going to forgive him for running out of bounds at the end of the game that sort of gave gave a little bit extra life to the sealers i mean you know all all of that would lead up to a tie game so i don't know if i believe the packers could have won in overtime so it's sort of a you know it's sort of maybe wishful thinking but that's the type of thing that happens when you've got the roster that the packers have a young roster at all times and, and granted they're on third string in a lot of cases you got guys who just don't know how to make the right decisions in in those crunch time opportunities so I mean I, I'm happy that he that he found something again with the big play. That's great. It's the type of thing that kind of happens a little bit by luck as much as circumstance, but but still like to see him have a good game. You know that's, that's just like with Brett Hundley, the more reps, the more success he has, the more you got to think down the line he's going to gain more confidence.
0: Jr. Finally, last question before we let you go: Is this Packers team still in the playoff chase?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I said it earlier, certainly not now. I didn't. I still wouldn't have thought them in the playoff chase if they had won. It's definitely looking bleak now. I, I say there's no way. I mean, I'm not even watching Packers games expecting that they can pull a rabbit out of their hat like I did last year or in previous years, even with the Matt Flynn situation, because Aaron Rodgers' injury came a little later in the season. They kind of already had some wins baked in. There's just nothing that – there's no data to indicate that this team is going to take a marked leap forward and be able to beat those teams at the back end of their schedule, honestly, I don't, I wouldn't expect them to beat the Buccaneers necessarily. You'd certainly hope so. I think even the Browns game is a question mark with the way the team is played. I mean, you know, you feel more comfortable with the Browns game than others, but I I just don't think, I don't think there's any way they, A, get the wins they need, and B, catch up to the number of teams in the NFC that have, you know, seven wins at this point. There's a lot of playoff contenders up top, and And they would have to get past probably a Falcons team that they don't have a tiebreaker against. You know, maybe the Seahawks, they they could pass them. But, I I mean, even like teams like the Lions or the three other teams that are five and six, like there's just too many contenders right now and the Packers don't have the firepower.
0: It's looking bleak. Uh, JR, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us this morning. Uh, Glad to get your insight on uh, T.J. Watt, among the other things like the Green Bay Packers in yesterday's game. Uh, happy to be talking to you and keep up the good work. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. You as well. Take care. Thanks much. J.R. Radcliffe of Lake Country Publications joining us here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show.
1: What the hell's going on out here?
0: I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment and my commentary on it. And I'm going to start with the Chips report from last night's game as we do every week here on Railbird Central. Your blue chip players from last night's game getting top billing this week is running back Jamal Williams who made a difference in both the ground and through the air. He led the team in rushing from scrimmage with 135 yards. Uh, nicely balanced, 66 yards rushing, 69 yards receiving. He of course scored two touchdowns, one on a 54-yard screen pass in the first quarter. Or pardon me, was I think I have that wrong? Was that 39 yards? Anyway, uh, again he scored in the game tying four-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter. Now was Jamal Williams perfect? No, that. That pass down the right sideline when the ball hit off his outstretched hands. Uh, Yes, that was a poor play. But considering he had the ball in his hands, in possession of the ball 25 times, more than anyone else on the team, and didn't have any turnovers, he got the job done and he fought for the hard yards once again, including a career-long 12-yard carry in the second half. Kudos to Jamal Williams. It's, again, once another case of the statistics not necessarily doing the job he did justice. If, you, if you're if just looking at, oh, the rushing yards, you know, it's 60-some rushing yards, and that's not really all that impressive. But the way he grinds them out and, and he's taking care of the football, he's doing a really good job. I've said it before. I I think he's the most improved Packers player from the beginning of the season to now um on this roster uh and he's doing really well and I would love to see the two headed rushing monster between him and Aaron Jones uh when Jones gets healthy and now Ty Montgomery gonna be part of the picture too. Uh gonna be tough to divvy him up if and when they're all healthy. Your other blue chip player, quarterback Brett Hundley. It's amazing the amount of vitriol I got on social media for including Hundley in the blue chip category on Sunday night. And, and let me tell you, folks, the time for shaming Brett Hundley was last week, and, and deservedly so. Uh, but just because you don't like a quarterback doesn't mean he didn't have a good game. Now, if if I were to go back and rewatch this game or any game I I might flip-flop some of the blue chip and the red chip players. Sh- sure, I but I'd say that any week, not just this one. Um, did Hudley have some easy passes any quarterback should be able to make? Yeah. <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is he threw three touchdown passes and here's here's where it really gets good. The length of these touchdown passes, 39 54 yards and 55 yards and didn't throw any interceptions. Uh, sure, the Randall Cobb touchdown was easy as they come. Uh, very little degree of difficulty with that. But the more I watch the other ones, the more impressed I am. Even the screen pass to Jamal Williams, which you know should be a relatively easy pass to make, the timing was perfect, and, and for a team that struggled to run a screen pass in recent weeks, the execution was perfect. And the pass to Devontae Adams, the touchdown pass I'm talking about, the more I watch it, uh, the throat by Hundley gets better all the time. The the amount of touch he put on the football down the field to put it in a window and the timing to get it there before the safety arrives, because it would be an easy—it would be easy to overthrow a pass like that. It was a great throw from Brett Hundley. Did Hundley have issues running into sacks again? Yes, uh, but they weren't all on him. And his three and out series early in the fourth quarter—that one was especially bad, no doubt about it. But watch the game tying drive in the middle of the fourth quarter getting that ball out quick and hitting Richard Rogers on that 25 yard completion to take advantage of a blitz to start the drive and then hitting Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams each on a 12 yard completion to follow that up and then completing a pass to Jordy Nelson to convert a third and one and then hitting Adams to convert that fourth down That drive was impeccable. (laughs) That that drive was as good as anything Aaron Rodgers has done. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm talking about one drive, whereas with Aaron Rodgers, we can talk about many drives. Uh, But when you consider those and the touchdown passes, when when you average 9.4 yards per attempt, that's about as good as it gets for a quarterback. And adding a six-yard scramble by Hundley, and it was a good day. I'm not voting him for the Packers Hall of Fame or the Pro Football Hall of Fame here. Just saying he had a good game. Uh, I think people should acknowledge if he has a good game. He wasn't the problem on Sunday night. Red chip players. The good, maybe not great. Uh, Devontae Adams gets one. That 55-yard touchdown pass we mentioned earlier, that came on a stop-and-go route that was fantastic juking out the player covering him and then breaking a tackle to get into the end zone which he had to dive for and then there was also the huge fourth down conversion to set up the game tying touchdown and in all Adams had five receptions for 82 yards um all of which uh were were team highs or those two statistics um, he averaged 16.4 yards per reception. And he came back from an early injury to make to, to play at a high level. That made it all the more impressive. Uh, so good job by Devontae Adams. The other red chip goes to Demarius Randall, who was probably the best defender on the field for the Packers on Sunday. And like Adams, he also came back from injury to tough it out, which the Packers really needed because after coming back, Randall broke up uh, that third down pass from Ben Roethlisberger in the fourth quarter that forced a punt and gave the Packers back possession of the football. And he, of course, also had the interception in the first half that set up a Packers touchdown. That was a fantastic play by Randall. Uh, I, I saw Pro Football Focus say that he allowed only two catches on five targeted passes in his direction all game for something like 17 total yards. Uh, Now add in five tackles and it was a good day for Randall uh, Better than the other cornerbacks who had up and down days uh, Both the, you know, like Devon House and Kevin King There were good plays they made and some bad ones too Uh, Now there there were certainly a lot of candidates for red chips uh, this game Guys I I considered, uh, Mike Daniels was one of them With seven tackles and a sack, he played really well uh Ahmad Brooks had a good showing at outside linebacker uh and, you know especially for a guy who only saw limited action he really made the, the most of it and showed that he maybe is more deserving of of more snaps in the future and then there's Blake Martinez and here's another one that people on social media got on me for and and, and Blake Martinez did fine but i think people just look at the turnovers and you think you know oh he had a fan. he had two turnovers fantastic and he di- he did fine he did fine but to me th- those were a product of i mean there's there's something to be said for being in the right place at the right time but to me you know on the interception more credit goes to the player that tipped the pass then it goes to Martinez, who who did fine. He, again, he was in the right place, right time, and secured the interception. And then on the forced fumble, I, I give more credit to the guy or guys that forced that fumble than I do Martinez. And again, right place, right time. He did fine. He had like 15 tackles. But he also uh, had several missed tackles this game and gave up several pass completions. There was bad mixed in with the good with Blake Martinez, which is why he just didn't you know he he's more in like the honorable mention category he did fine, uh especially when you're coming up with those turnovers uh just there there were players who performed better than him uh your couch hit players um one goes to Ha-Ha Clint Dix, who unfortunately continues a trend of poor play. There were multiple occasions when where passes were completed in front of him, Clinton Dix almost being too deep in his coverage. And then to compound matters, he, he missed a tackle on a pass completed in front of him that erupted into a long gain. And that wasn't the only tackle he missed on the day. Uh, he had poor leverage on another Levy on Bell run. It, it just wasn't a good showing by a player. That's coming off a pro Bowl season last year, and i can't I can't see that happening this year and if it if it does uh shame on the voters uh for letting it happen um I don't completely always trust the pro Bowl voting process then there's Nick Perry, who's one of the other cow chips who was credited with one tackle in fifty snaps on defense and uh two more on special teams. The pass rush may have been the biggest issue for the Packers' defense on Sunday, and, and certainly Perry, Perry wasn't alone. But when Clay Matthews isn't out on the field, it was imperative that Perry pick up the slack, and he didn't do much in either against the pass or the run. I, I saw him getting too wide on a run by on Bell. Even saw him offering nothing in pass coverage on one snap. Uh, not a good day for Nick Perry. And dishonorable mention, I'm surprised at this even, to David Bakhtiari, who probably had his worst game of the season uh, for the Green Bay Packers. I've no doubt about it. I've seen worse play from offensive linemen before, uh, but he gave up a sack. He kind of gave up maybe even one and a half sack, although you can argue that it was Brett Hundley's fault. Uh, but he was on the ground there on a rush by Cameron Hayward. Uh, there were several rushes that kind of went for, you know, nil that, you know, Bakhtiari didn't exactly do anything special on. Uh, so, um, you know, th- there were worse players on the day, but disarmable mention to David Bakhtiari, worst game of the season for him. Um, and usually uh, he's always playing good. So, Hopefully this is a rare instance of him not. But, moving on. The day ahead. I looked shortly before the show started today, and the Packers still haven't published the time of Mike McCarthy's usual day-after-game press conference. But expect that to happen sometime Monday afternoon, It is usual. It will be streamed live on Packers.com, and it will be followed by the typical talk show circuit. I tried to look up a handful of them, um, as usual, happens on Mondays. Uh, Devonte Adams will be the guest on Inside the Huddle on the Fox affiliate in Green Bay. Ty Montgomery and Demarius Randall uh, will be the host and guest on Clubhouse Live. Uh, it's inside uh, the Clubhouse Bar and Grill in Appleton on Monday night. Justin McRae, the Versatile offensive lineman will be the guest on the fifth quarter on WTAQ, and also airing from the uh, Stadium View Bar on Monday night. Uh, Brett, it's Brett Hundley's turn to be the co-host, or I guess is his title on In Huddle on the Woodward Radio Network. Uh, Mike McCarthy will record his his show uh, after his press conference. I'm sure. Um so there's there's the talk show circuit on Monday night and and then also Monday night uh, a couple players aren't doing talk shows it's the running backs turn to donate their time to the Salvation Army so halfbacks Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and fullback Aaron Ripkowski will appear in the Lambeau Field atrium from 6 to 7 p.m. on Monday night to sign autographs in exchange for donations that will go to charity, Uh, part of an ongoing series of appearances by Packers players throughout the holiday season every Monday night, which started last week, of which donations will be matched by quarterback Aaron Rodgers. So... If you're in the area within driving distance, want to get some player autographs and also have your money go to a good cause at the same time, this is about as good an opportunity as you can possibly get. Uh, I suggest checking it out. The Packers have more details at Packers.com if you search there. So that's what's going on with the Green Bay Packers. Unfortunately, we're talking about a loss. The silver lining is. They were a lot more competitive than I or I think most people thought uh, for the Green Bay Packers this past Sunday. And that maybe leaves you a little bit of hope. The Packers have two winnable games here before Aaron Rodgers potentially returns. And, yeah, I suppose we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers throwing 50-plus-yard passes Warming up before the game and and trying to do a little rehab on his broken collarbone before the Pittsburgh game out there. If you saw that coverage before the or during the Monday night, you know, there, the Sunday night football game, uh, leaves a little bit of hope. Packers got to get through two more games without him. At minimum, they have to win one out of the next two to still be in even remote playoff contention. And if they could potentially win the next two, uh at least the Tampa Bay Bucks games at home, um, then the Packers, you know, are, are really standing a better chance to maybe make a playoff push if and when Rodgers returns. So there's hope. It it's a glimmer right now, uh, but there is hope and, and hopefully uh the Packers can get back on the winning track here. But that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today. Thank you to J.R. Radcliffe of Lake Country Publications for being our guest. And uh, we've already got our next show lined up on Wednesday. We'll be joined, as usual, by Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com, who joins us every Wednesday during the season. We'll take one last look back at this game with him before looking ahead to the next game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So looking forward to that. Two days from now, Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's a live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. That'll do it. We'll see you, folks. Have a good Monday. Uh, I leave you today with a song called The Way That It Goes. From Kyle Hollingsworth on Psy Fidelity Records, see you later. Go Pack Go. Taking for change with a Mountain Dew. A puppy on a string and a cigarette. The dreads are hanging past the
1: waistline. Ain't no hurry, just taking his time. Two girls kissing on a corner stop. As he walks by the pawn The cool hip sores and the funky shoes. his vibe and enjoy.